I was thrilled to have Tim on the podcast. Tim is the international real estate expert and investor. On today's show, we talk about how and why he retired himself at 30, depression, heart attacks, our core values, and so much more. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F word. Tim was so incredibly open, honest, and transparent on this conversation. I had a great time talking with Tim, and as you can see, Tim has learned so much from his journey in life and so much about his relationship with money. Please enjoy. Welcome back to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. Today, I am happy to have Tim on our podcast today. Who is Tim? Well, Tim's a real estate investor, award-winning mentor, trainer, business coach. Um, Tim is a full-time investor living in Edmonton, Alberta. And he began his investing real estate career as a rich dad legacy student in 2010 and has since then become an advanced trader, sorry, trainer for lease options in Canada with years working in the corporate environment and experiences in running other traditional businesses. Tim knew there was a smarter way, and I put that in quotations, a smarter way to generate income and create long-term wealth. With the help of real estate and some major life lessons, at the young age of 30, Tim was able to retire himself. Now, Tim has begun to pursue another goal and passion of his, which is helping others who are committed to achieving financial freedom to do the same. Tim has learned the power of connecting people firsthand, helping people reach their goals. Today, he's passionately paying it forward, helping others increase their financial education through real estate investing. I first met Tim at a presentation where him and I were both speaking and it was so interesting that our contents are like the context that we talked about was the, the words were vastly different, but the messaging was so similar. And then Tim and I connected again for a walk and we just started chatting and I really thought it was going to be great to have Tim on the show. So Tim, welcome. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. So excited about this. Yeah. Uh, so Tim, we've talked before about uh, the, the intent of my podcast is to explore our money, our mind, and what matters most. And I'm going to start out with um, um, something that when people listen to your bio, it would have most stuck out to them, is retired himself by 30. That's a phenomenal feat. Um, 30 is abnormal, shall I say, to retire your, yourself, but yet you did it. And we're going we're gonna to talk about like all the hard work and everything that went into that. But first, I, I want to read a quote that was one of yours that I found online that I think really speaks to this whole paradox of money. So the quote goes like this. Remember, at 30, you retired yourself. But also, here's your quote. At 30, I had hit rock bottom. I was sad, angry, depressed, lethargic, virtually, um, virtually every possible word that you can come or that you can find in a textbook that describes symptoms of depression you could use on me. It took two different counselors, two psychiatrists, three psychologists just to keep me alive. 
So we'll start there, Tim. How, <laughs> how does this happen? Where we chase, we put so much of our, uh, ourselves into accumulating money, but then we have you retiring at 30, but yet experiencing these things. Uh, we're going right into it. You know what, actually, <laughs> honestly, though, um, it is one of the favorite things that I do enjoy talking about. And a lot of people, if they follow me on social media, they'll know that I'm actually doing the 25-day push-up challenge as well to raise mental health awareness. Because mm -hmm. um, some of the other major health challenges that I've had included three minor heart, attack, heart, heart attacks and one uh, heart surgery as well. For me, I always joke about the fact that heart attacks never took my life. Depression almost did. Mm. And so I think it really just every time I look back at what was happening during that time, I just realized that I followed an old formula that didn't work for me. And over time, I really feel like a lot of people are getting into that more and more, to be really honest. And that formula is go to school, get good grades so that you can come out and get good jobs that'll pay you well, give you benefits, give you pension, give you some sort of savings, give you a bit of a lifestyle, work for 20, 25 years, these days, probably 30, 35, as you probably know yeah, for most people. Yeah. And then you retire and then you finally have some time to maybe pursue some passion projects if you have time. Most people garden, isn't it? What they do, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't garden. And Sudoku it, as well. Yeah, right. It, there we go. <laughs> and so... I think I just followed that formula so well. And uh, I think everybody can, I mean, if you're listening to this, you can't see me, but you can tell it from my last name. I'm Asian. And so I was born and raised in Taiwan and um, a lot of very traditional old school money mindset, relationship with money and what a successful life means. It was all very much imposed on me. It was shut down my throat. It's how I was supposed to live and, and, and carry my life with. And it didn't make me happy at all. It made me completely miserable because leading up to my depression, um, basically, I think it just really hit me that great. Um, I'm making six figures in my 20s. That sounds amazing to a lot of people. And looking back now, yeah, that sounds amazing on paper. I was completely miserable because I had no time for myself, no time for my family, no time to look after my my health, my nutrition, my physical wellness, my mental health. I was always on the road, always supporting people, putting a lot of pressure on me because I want to climb that corporate ladder, get the next promotion, get the next bonus check. And it just drove me into the ground, literally. Yeah. Well, first off, Tim, honestly, thanks for being open about those struggles. I think um, that there's a, there's, not only a script that we don't talk about money, but there's also a script that mental health, um, just, it's, I, I think it takes people like yourselves to talk about those, um, struggles so that it can normalize, um, those like mental health struggles because they, they are real. Mm -hmm. And, and in this specific example, it just, I find it so unique that you could be at such a good position with money, which we put so much of our, um, I guess self worth into, but yet having this this realization that wow, maybe this isn't the script, so to speak, that I I want to go on. Um, I mean, of course, the health issues were a big realization, but along the way, did you notice things that were starting to happen that you were thinking like, wait, maybe this this pursuit of money 
isn't what I need right now. You know, what's really funny is that you, you don't know, I guess this is, mm. <laughs> I guess this is why they call it a rat race, right? Yeah. The more, the more you spend. And I think it has a lot to do with that whole instant gratification concept is that if you are working really hard and you are getting financially rewarded by your job, and we like to joke in our industry that job stands for just over broke. <laughs> and so if you are getting rewarded somewhat well from your just over broke, it literally means that you're just over broke because you have enough to pay all your bills and you have some leftovers so that you can have a bit of a lifestyle. I got to travel. I got to have a decent house. I got to have a nice car. A um, couple of nice cars, and uh, we were able to eat out and uh, hang out and buy presents for ourselves, that sort of thing. And then it just over time, it just felt very hollow because buying things became the quick fix that we were all looking for. And I just realized that I wasn't getting fulfillment. I was starting to lose my sense of purpose as a human being. I started to question what I'm put on this planet for. And the funny thing is, I feel like it took a while for me to realize it was because I still somewhat strategically positioned and got myself into roles, corporately speaking, that I could still feel valued. Mm. And um, I was in marketing, I was in sales, and I was coaching and supporting and training people because I love the ability to see people, you know, get the aha moments when I see the light bulbs go off, when I, you know, when they can, and, and they can translate what I've shared with them and taught them into, you know, something very real, which is bigger paychecks, mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. it allows them to do what they want to do. And so now, as I'm saying this, funny enough, I'm like, that's, I basically am still doing the same thing right now, but just with a very different vehicle, but I have more control now. However, going back to that, I guess that's my long answer to your short question is no, I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. I just mm -hmm. thought that was the way life is because everybody mm -hmm. around me was sticking to that same formula. You work hard. You just, you do whatever it takes. And when you have a job, you be that best employee that you can be. So you get recognized, you get awarded and you get rewarded and that's it. Mm -hmm. That was the formula that was taught to me that everybody else was doing. So even though it was, there was a sense of hollowness that I was feeling, I didn't know what else is out there until I started searching for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it, it reminds me of this conversation I was having with someone around the same topic, but he always said to, or he said to me, he always has to tell himself to peek out without doubt and see what's across or on the other side of the river, because we just don't know. And yeah. you're, you're right. That's a really good answer. And that in the moment, we don't realize really what, what we're doing because we're just, we're just doing it. And we're just following those, um, I guess, scripted, um, scripted lanes that we're supposed to go down and we're supposed to get those little pay increases to keep us motivated, keep us going around there. So do you remember when you decided to, so 30 years old is when you went to retire yourself yep. leading up to that, maybe talk us through is how, how did that actually happen? <laughs> um, and, and, and 
when did you just finally decide to be like, well, I don't know if it's finally, but I'm sure there was some time when you left the corporate role yeah. and, and maybe go back to that time of what was happening. What was the plan to retire yourself? How are you going to do that? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I think looking back, I started this journey when I was 27 and depending on when this gets aired, I guess I'm pushing 39. Maybe I'll be 39 already when this gets aired. <laughs> so almost 12 years ago now. 12 years, Kate. Yeah. And so what was happening was the fact that I actually, well, right now we live in, we live in Edmonton. I love Edmonton. We, we chatted about that as well. Yeah. And, uh, but before Edmonton, I actually lived in Vancouver for almost 11 years. And even to this day, like 11 years in Edmonton now, some people at me and I tell them that I used to live in Vancouver and I moved here in 2009, they're still going what do you mean you moved from Vancouver to here? Most people do that move the other <laughs> way around. And I love Edmonton. But the point is, when I first moved to Edmonton, it was for one very simple reason. It was the fact that everybody was telling me that Alberta is the land of opportunities. And being in the corporate world in Vancouver, and uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I worked for the Yellow Pages group. Mm-hmm. And then I got laid off but then <laughs> surprise surprise but then that's a whole different story <laughs> the point is, in 2009 I decided that I wanted to climb the corporate ladder again it's I'm still in that old yep. formula mindset. and so you know after applying for a couple of promotions and didn't get it and I started to think okay if I'm gonna stay with the same company what can I do so I decided that Alberta was the way to go. And that was actually, honestly, initially, the only reason that got me here. Mm. And uh, funny enough, within three months, I applied for a promotion and got it. And, and so I just felt like, oh, wow, everything is kind of going as planned. I'm still, still sticking to that formula and I'm doing really well at it. And at the same time, though, I think at that point, there was already a little bit of um, weird voices in my head going, hang on a second, like, how long can you do this for? Because literally, I always ask, hey, how many hours do you actually work a week at at your job? 40 hours? Congratulations, you're actually very lucky. 50 hours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. 60, Mm -hmm. 70? Towards the end of my corporate career, I was probably pushing nearly 80 hours a week simply because of the fact that I was in senior management and I had teams across the country. We live in a big, beautiful country. So what that means is we got to travel to actually be physically there, Mm -hmm. COVID aside, because we're talking about 12 years ago now. (laughs) (laughs) I had to be there. And so a lot of the times it was, you know, if I go to Calgary, it's an easy drive. No problem. Edmonton, Calgary, two and a half hour drive, one way, easy. However, again, when you're in that corporate environment, you're There's always a bit of a carrot dangled in front of you. You're always looking to climb that ladder. And what would happen is, I'm sure a lot of people can probably relate to this, is the fact that if I'm scheduled, say, even to be in Calgary for a Monday morning meeting, if I'm there for Monday to Friday, I would actually drive basically after lunch on Sunday. So that eats into my personal time. Mm -hmm. I would leave on Sunday afternoon so that I can check into the hotel, get some prep work done so that I'm ready to go on Monday morning and Friday afternoon. By the time I am done, depending on when it's done more often than not, I would actually wrap up all my report, do, do up all my, all my um, paperwork. And then I stay the night there again. Mm -hmm. And then I will come home on the Saturday. So think about that. 
and it just it became never ending and that's only and that's if i'm driving to calgary that's not counting if i have to fly to bc or fly to ontario from alberta mm -hmm. and so it didn't really take long for me to realize okay this is not sustainable and so in my head and this is 2009 so i'm sure your listenership they we all pretty much remember what happened in 2008 yeah. globally speaking yeah. economically speaking it's it, I just realized, oh my God, every time I got my statements for my investments, I'm going to use that term very loosely now, mm -hmm. because like a good boy, I put money in savings account. I put money into RSPs. I maxed out my TFSAs every single year at the time. And I even participated in company stock options. And every single category that I just told you basically plummeted, 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 plummeted to the point that there was no place to go. Company stock option is sounding really great. They will match up to a quarter for every dollar you buy. Sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. However, when you start buying when it's $18 per share, and then by the time you sell it, it's a penny stock, not so great either. Regardless, that, qu that quarter matching program just does not catch oh, up. The math doesn't do any justice at that point. No, right? And so... I just really real, like it just hit me. I mean, I didn't know what that meant. I just, it just hit me that I got to do something else. And I always say that one of the best things about climbing the corporate ladders fast is that you really get to get to that level where none of your coworkers are your age anymore. Meaning mm. they all have a little bit more life experiences. Mm. And one of them in particular was my mother's age. And, um, it's really funny because I was just, just chatting with a friend about it yesterday too, is that I'm still young. So even though in my head at the time, I'm thinking, hey, we have the same position. We're at the same pay grade. How come you get six weeks of vacation and I only get four? And how come you get to go away to the Bahamas three times a year and I only get to go away once a year? And how come your cars are nicer, your houses are bigger? Forgetting the fact that she's got 20 something years on top of me. <laughs> but the point is, I basically asked her, so how do you do what you do? We make about the same. And she goes, I, I park my money in real estate. I invest in real estate. Mm. And here I am thinking, oh my God, jackpot. Who do you deal with? Can you make a referral? Can you make a connection? Because right now I'm definitely looking to liquidate everything that I put aside and put that into real estate because everybody says real estate is where the money is. And later on, very quickly, I also learned that that's not the case. As in, if you know what you're doing, yes, that's where the money is. If you don't know what you're doing, that basically became my story too, is that I followed the ref referral and the recommendation. I met up with her guy, who <laughs> that's not the guy's name, by the way. <laughs> no, I know. Every, everyone's got a guy. <laughs> I know, exactly. I met up with her guy and looking back again, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was sold. I knew what I didn't want to do, which is leave my money in all those things that I just described. And so I basically showed up ready to buy whatever he was selling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he had, he wore a nice suit, you know, very well-spoken, shiny, pretty marketing materials in front of me. It's a syndication deal. It's for commercial, whatever it, it, it is. And um, I, basically just wrote a check of every last penny of my savings, handed it over. And a couple of months later, I thought I was going to get my deed certificate in the mail. Turns out I got a uh, civil lawsuit notification to say, to say that, Hey, all the investors are getting together to see if they can try to get some of their money back because the, the people kind of took everybody's money and ran with it. 
just what you want to hear, hey? Exactly. And so all that was happening, I was taking a hit. And this was also when, just strictly speaking to my J-O-B at the time, because again, Yellow Pages, um, this is when Google really started to grow and everything was starting to move online now. And mm -hmm. Yellow Pages was losing a lot of market share and a lot of ground. And being in the marketing and sales department, we got very direct impact. And the company really was losing losing money all the time, and um, and basically at the end of that particular year, I was supposed to get my bonuses, and uh, turns out they were not paying me bonuses because I they say I didn't hit target, and so I now have to go back and prove every single contract and paperwork that I have supported my team to hit, and I. I was able to prove that I did that. And this went back and forth and back and forth for, gosh, I think three, four months. So it went to my director, went to my Jeez. VP, senior VP, and then it trickled back down. And all I got was a one, one line answer after four months, like I said, that tell Tim to be a team player. The books have closed for last year. Oh. I was forecasting to be getting about twenty-two dollars to $25,000 in bonus money. And for somebody who relies on one income source and a corporate job, $25,000 almost is a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And, and like a lot of people, we all have the tendency to spend before we act that money is in the bank account because we're counting on it. Yeah. It's a job, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, what can go wrong? We already did it. We hit the numbers. We're supposed to get paid. It's just a matter of time. Not if, it's when. And it didn't happen. I decided to develop our basement and spend that money before the money even came in. <laughs> <laughs> so put me into a, a bit of a stress. However, I think just throughout this whole process, I was just getting increasingly unhappy because I was working in an environment where the morale wasn't quite there anymore because everybody was describing it as a sinking ship. So there was a lot of politics, a lot of backstabbing happening, lost all my savings, spent the bonus money that I didn't have and was looking for the next promotion. And then only to find out that my direct supervisor went for the same job and got the job. However, oh. he pretended to coach throughout the process. Pretended so to there what? were a lot of things to coach me throughout the process, oh. throughout how to get interviewed for the oh. same position that he looking back was shoe in for. Mm -hmm. So, and I just realized that it just really hit me that I have zero control over anything, over my life, over my finances. And at this point, I was constantly getting sick because I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of myself with the traveling schedule that I had. Whenever I was home, home all I wanted to do was just curl up on the couch with my with my spouse and with my dogs and watch TV and do nothing else. And I just, it, it became that downward spiral that I put myself into. And then it was one day that I was literally, literally driving on the road to go to a work appointment. And I wanted to drive myself into a pole. And that was when it hit me. Wow. No, a lot there. Thanks so much, Tim, for, 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 for bumming you out. <laughs> no, 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 no. It just, it's good. I think, um, 
again, you just being open on those emotions that I feel like as you're describing that, um, I, I mean, I certainly can relate back when, um, when we all have these tendencies to, when we're working in a corporate job, usually corporate job, or even on our own things, you get so ingrained into it that you have these blinders on and nothing really matters around you. And it's hard to step out and actually see that because you're like, I need to. And as you're describing um, uh, your, your time with this company flying on the third or drive, sort of driving to Calgary on the Thursday, doing your presentation, getting ready. Um, I'm just like even reflecting and like it's hitting me like, oh yeah, how many times have I done that? I'm sitting in my son's room right now. I remember many times when he was just born, I'm like, oh, I got to go to this meeting. Like he's like two and a half weeks old and not doing so well. I should have been at home with him. And I feel like this is just a universal thing that um, in our jobs, any, even if it's our companies, a lot of times we have more of this in our jobs because we feel like we got to do this. Otherwise, we won't get that promotion. Otherwise, we won't get that pay increase. And it's just, I think what your story is highlighting is that we put so much, as you call it, our control and our power. We give so much of that to this, this mm-hmm. employer who really and truly, as much as their values say they love us, like Economics 101, our Business 101 is make a profit. So we're there to make a profit for them. I hope they create, and I think employers need to create a, a much uh, more engaging and uh, focus on the employee well-being. But at the end of the day, they want to profit us off us. And if they're going to mm-hmm. cut your bonus at twenty two, twenty five thousand dollars, they will. But yet we give so much of our self worth away that your story to me is really highlighting that taking that power back. And I work with a business coach who always talks about taking the power back. Meaning, what can I do? Even that. That's even around getting upset at other people. I'm giving my power away if I'm getting upset at you, for example, where if I can just keep it into myself, understand where those emotions, recognize them, I'm taking my power back. But your story really, really um, speaks to two things. One is helping us just see how much power are we giving and how much control are we giving away? How much is this impacting our lives? Like you're coming home, sitting on the couch. Uh, there's a book called Your Money or Your Life. And um, she called Vicki Robbins, the author, she calls it that because she's like, if aliens look down at us on our rat race, they wouldn't call it, um, you know, we say we're making a living, going to work, making mm-hmm. a living. It's like mm-hmm. we're making a dying. You come in home, you're tired, you're sitting on the couch and mm-hmm. uh, the aliens would be like, what are they doing all day long? <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Your your story really, really um I guess is a journey that so many other people are feeling now on the same time, there's like a dichotomy in here. You're making over our six figures, which is financially very good. And mm-hmm. it also reminds me where I want to go into the next part of this. It, it, it brings me to think about this book called mm-hmm. how to worry less about your money by John Armstrong. And he talks about, we have two money pro- our issues. One is called a money problem. Mm-hmm. And that's when, um, like I need to make more money. I need to pay my bills. I need to get more money to pay for my housing. And then there's also money worries, which are more in the psychology of, oh, what, what what's actually happening? Or am I happy? Is this good for me? So your story, you have the money problem sorted. $100,000 plus, that's enough to take care of your basic needs by far. Research shows that like $50,000 is going to do that. So you have enough money but yet you're having these money worries go on inside of your head. Um, 
you've talked in the past about now in hindsight, you see money as a tool. Maybe speak about your view as money as a tool. And again, this is specifically talking to individuals who uh, are having these money worries. A money problem is another situation is if we need to learn how to build our income to make our basic needs are met. But this conversation for you is specifically about your experience with using money as a tool. Well, I think that that really came came just really quickly after that um, that in, that whole incident about losing my entire savings. Because right after that, I decided that I actually had to get myself a bit more educated on the subject of money. And I know that it's not something that most people think about. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I thought I was going to learn about money, and turns out I, I started to learn about real estate investing because. I mean, what prompted me to really go start to, to start studying about this kind of stuff is the fact that I lost all my money in a real estate deal. So in my head at the yeah. time, you know, it was I, like, okay, chicken or the egg. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I really learning here? Yeah. And this is why a lot of people, you know, if they've seen me train, they understand I differentiate that very clearly, right? I'm a real investor what that really means is i'm an investor meaning i learn how money works and leveraging real estate as the vehicle as the tool however at the end of the day what we're looking at is how money works for itself because i mean one of one of my favorite guys is warren buffett one of the most famous investors of all time in the world right he always talks about the fact that if you can't if you're not going to figure out how you can make money even while you're sleeping you're going to be working Mm-hmm. So you die. Mm-hmm. And, and literally when that was all happening, because at this point, this is, I'm just going to paint a picture at the beginning of 2010. Now, at this point, I had been working in corporate for about three and a half years. And every single year I was making way above hundred thirty, hundred and forty thousand $140,000. So by the traditional definition in a job for somebody in their twenties, that was doing well. Yeah. Yeah. However, really well. I very quickly realized that that was, uh, you know what? I was paycheck to paycheck. And uh, because I lost all my savings, all of a sudden I had nothing but debt and Mm -hmm. bills to pay. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us surrounded around that. And so I just started kind of reading books, you know, so I have a purple library and people that know what what I mean by that. It's uh, it's this whole series written by Robert Kiyosaki. Obviously, he's a real estate guy. However, he's very much about financial education. And that's what I'm so passionate about sharing with the world right now as well is financial education. Because ever since I started to learn how to invest in real estate, build a real estate portfolio, I started to build a business portfolio as well. And so it it just becomes a never-ending process. However, throughout this entire journey, like you said, I think... One thing you and I really see eye to eye on is the fact that it's never about money. And I think I really had to break up with that relationship because again, Asian background, our parents, when they talk to their friends and siblings, so my aunts and uncles, it's always like, okay, yes, you know what? Tim is now a senior manager of something and he makes this much a year. That's the Asian culture. People talk about how much their kids make what company they work at. And if it's, you know, these days it's like, Oh, my, my kid works at Google or my kid works out of Silicon Valley or on wall street, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Everything has a label to it. And funny enough, like when I was growing up, um, 
I was always aspire, aspiring to buying labels. And there was a period of time where I was in my early 20s, I was very reckless because I was chasing those labels. And uh, now, seriously, I'll buy five, $10 t-shirts, no problem. As long as it fits, it's decent quality and it looks, and it looks nice. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter anymore because it's a big part of that. And I keep saying it's your relationship with money. Like, do you have a healthy view with it? And if you do, if you don't, regardless of what it is, the majority of that is passed down to us. It is taught to us by our parents, by our society, by our aunts and uncles, by our friends. And this is why it's so funny when you see, right? We always say, and Jim Rome says this, you're the sum average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And what that also means is that we all tend to have this very similar socioeconomic status in our possessions and how we live our day to day. And so, I mean, as I started to really invest and when money started to come in and I realized how much control I have over my financial security and my financial destiny, that was when it, the shift really started happening is that I no longer need to rely on a job to pay me. I no longer have just one customer. That's my boss. And um, I can decide how I create my income sources. And from that point on, you start to realize that you can relax a little bit. You can breathe. And money is not the end all be all, especially if you're not chasing big items or mm -hmm. designer items and it doesn't just have to be clothing. We all know that you can find, you know, a, a, a designer architect to design and build your homes and you can find designer cars, all that kind of stuff. Right. So it just really comes down to what you're really chasing after what makes you happy rather than allowing other people to tell you, you need to have this, 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 and that, and achieve this, this, and that to be happy. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I actually made an Instagram post. I think that's also on Facebook now too, is that I just, it, I had a bit of an aha moment too. Maybe it's because knowing that we're going to chat today again is I just wrote down new, uh, a reality check for everybody. The old status symbols is, you know, fancy degrees, nice cars, big houses. And to me now, the new status symbol really is, do you have time to care, take care of your health? Do you have the time freedom? Do you have the money freedom? Are you fulfilled? Can you do things that you want, how you want it, when you want it? Mm -hmm. And so it, it wasn't like, you know what? I wish I had an easy, like, okay, this is the point that I can tell you. This is the time that I can pinpoint. It's a journey. It's yeah. been a journey. Well, I guess the good thing of you not having that answer is it reinforces you are human <laughs> and life is messy. <laughs> and, yes. and it takes these moments that uh, just start, adding to our journey and along the way um, is something that I've always heard people who I look up saying is we're always on the journey. We never arrive, but uh, just along the way, we pick up these new insights, but something that you said, which I have heard about four or five people in the last two weeks, say the same thing about um, in around the same thing, financially independent, reaching financially independent, or more so doing something they actually love and leaving uh, a job they didn't is that they have control. And you said this exact same thing is that you have that control. You, you were kind of even, it's hard to figure out what that feeling is. And you said, I could relax. And it's so amazing that that what that feeling is, and it's hard to understand uh, or, or to articulate it. But I think that's what's 
leaving that rat race. And there's just so much um, external pressures that we put on ourselves that I think just if we're going through this life very stressed uh, in these jobs. And and again, I like your story because it's your you're, you're, uh, we, I'm saying this because of a conversation you said, you're like, Oh, you had some, like on the podcast, I've tended to have some psychologists on lately. And you're like, Oh, there's some heavy hitters, but you're, you're like an individual, like you're, you're someone going through this journey with us. You know what I mean? And that's why I really, really wanted to have you on because you've had these ebb and flows and you're able to talk about them. Um, well, you saw me speak that one time, right? Yeah. You my my introduction for those who never have met Tim inside, I have, I give my, I give myself these letter letters after my names, because I mean, for you, you're a certified financial planner. There's people that have MBAs and PhDs. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those things. I have a BBA. I did. I do have a bachelor's degree in business administration, focusing on marketing. However, in my intro, I, these days I put down, I'm a real estate investor. I'm very proud of what I do and how I do it. But more importantly, I'm also also a business owner. BO doesn't sound so good, however. <laughs> the last thing is one of the acronyms that I'm most proud of is the award-winning mentor. I do AWM. I don't nice. know if you remember that. Yeah. But the point is, it, it doesn't matter. Like the world's been telling us you need these acronyms behind your name. Give yourself the ones that you're proud of, that makes you happy, that gets you out of bed, that makes you jump out of bed and want to make some contribution to the world. Because I've been able to help other people become financially free. And what that means is I see it firsthand is that they get to drop their kids off. They get to go participate in every extracurricular activities. They get to be there to to watch their kids grow up. Or they get to have the time and the money freedom to go travel. Again, not during COVID times. But they have more options. Right? And again, I mean, I feel like the messages are very mixed sometimes. However, I just think that money is not the be all end all. However, it does give you more options, Mm -hmm. right? If you have $5 today to go and eat lunch, there are only uh, so many places that you can go to. Whereas if you have $50, go eat lunch, you have more options now. Mm -hmm. And it's that feeling of having options and being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, Something that I've really realized is individuals who decide to take their time back to pursue um, programs like like what you did or anything that's taking their time back and who start to have um, more intentional relationship with money have become really crystal clear with like core values or things that they believe in. And I found those then act as like um, when that shiny or that label you spoke towards, when that commercial comes, if it doesn't align with the core values, they don't need willpower to beat it anymore. It's just like, boom, that's, that's not impacting me. So for you, as you've been on this journey, have you noticed that you've been able to become more in touch with your core values and um, just understand them better? And if so, maybe chat about what, if you want to go into your core values or just things that you believe in and how that helps you divert your time and money. Yeah, totally. You know, I really appreciate you asking that question. Um, you're a great interviewer, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I've been on quite a few of these and um, yeah, you're, I, I, love the, I, I love how methodical you are and how much you care about your listeners because you're really digging deep. And I love that. 
And so I think I shared this with you. I have five main core values and, and in no particular order, they're health, sustainability, joy, fulfillment, and impact. And so for me, health always comes first because health is wealth at the end of the day. Cause I grew up watching so many of my aunts and uncles and relatives. They work so, 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 so hard for the first 50, 60 years of their life. And the moment they stop working, they get sick. Some of them passed away within a few months. It's ridiculous. And they don't even get to really do what they want to do. But then it's also because they've neglected their health. And again, if even if I'm not looking at anybody else, I think I will be a complete idiot myself if I can learn from my own personal experiences. I mean, my three heart attacks, it wasn't because of stress. I was always relatively healthy in the sense that no regular checkups have had all had picked up anything. My first heart attack was when I was 18 and then second one, 19 and the third one at 29. And I had a surgery when I was 20. So by the time it happened again for the third time, it wasn't supposed to happen. And so this is why health is always number one for me. And, um, and there, it comes also comes down to the concept of having a routine versus having a schedule. I do my best to not have a schedule. Obviously these things are scheduled in mm -hmm. and that's totally fine. At the same time though, I have a certain routine that I want to stick to because my routine takes care of my health first. If you look at my calendar and I still use paper agendas as well, <laughs> that you will be able to see this week, when is my workout time? When's my meditation time? When do I actually study on nutrition and recipes? When do I cook? When do I eat? Everything's laid out there. Because to me, I want to take care of myself physically and nutritionally. Mm -hmm. And that gives me the fuel to do everything else that I want to do. Because my body is a machine and I want to maintain it as well as I possibly can. And then, it, and then the next one is sustainability that I always talk about is that so many people are all, always out there looking for get rich quick, get rich quick. And this is why I, I still have, I still know people right now that they make six figures and yet they have a second job too, mm -hmm. because they're like, okay, well this Christmas I'm, I'm going to buy a new car. I'm going to get my kids all new iPads and new iPhones just came out. All these things, they're constantly chasing after that. We're so-and-so just bought a new house. So we're going to build a bigger house in two years time. So in order to get there, I just got to keep working. And everybody's always trading hours for dollars and that's not sustainable. And so again, sustainability, is not just on the financial side. It's also on the physical wellness side, once again, as we know, because this is why I don't follow any particular diets myself it's just the long-term maintenance right it's it's exercise and diet exercise I, I hate the word diet honestly to me it's exercise and nutrition right yeah exercise and nutrition and uh, you know people might laugh at me about this but um, and I think I share this with you is after I became financially free retired myself quote unquote at 30 I almost got into another depression and people are probably going like, what the heck is wrong with this guy now? <laughs> it's simply because of the fact that it sounds so grand that you don't have to go to work to create paychecks to pay for your bills and your lifestyle. However, I very quickly realized as a 30-year-old, I still have energy. I still want to hang out with people. I still want to go out and do stuff. And yet nobody could do anything with me, especially during the day and during the week because they were all trapped at their jobs. <laughs> And so, and that was when the whole concept of joy and fulfillment was born 
is that, okay, great. Now that I don't have to worry about the day-to-days, can I do something more with my life now? Can I make my life a bit more meaningful? What I started to be, I started to get a little bit, a, a little philosophical. I started doing a lot of, you know, personal development trainings and then read, reading up on things to, to really learn what life's purpose is all about. <laughs> and, and that's why, you know, my core values, my core values include joy. Are you bringing the joy to the things that you're doing that you're choosing to do every single day? And are you fulfilled as a result? I went into depression because I wasn't fulfilled, even though I felt like, you know, um, I was checking off a couple of really big boxes. I wasn't fulfilled as a person. And I just felt like I could serve more. I could do better to the world. And that also leads to the last one, which is impact. And so every single day, it's really funny. I actually have a checklist with those five values and I actually measure myself one to 10. I mean, not to be harsh and overly critical, but I just measure myself in terms of yeah, how much yeah. I actually thought about and conducted myself based on my own core values. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim, that, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, again, we talk about the shows about the mind and money and the intersection of that. And as you're going through those core values, you, you, I couldn't have guessed them, but they don't come to me as surprise after we heard your whole story. And I didn't set up this, this, this way to be like, tell all this story and then look at the core values make so much sense. But I think that's so neat is like the listeners and myself can hear these are your core values. You didn't see them on someone's wall. You didn't hear about them because you're at like health, you know, your health issues, sustainability, you work so hard and now you want a, a different narrative um, impact. You want to make an impact and they're joined fulfillment. Uh, you know, you weren't feeling that and now you want to get that. And I really think that that checklist idea is phenomenal. I think it's like, are we showing up to what we need to show up for ourselves? And as a result, who do we impact? And um, I think I can hear it in your voice, in your tone, that um, when we are our authentic selves, that's when that joy and fulfillment comes out. A lot of, a lot of resources invested in personal development. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but that, I mean, we, I think we often forget about the, the largest asset class out there. We talk about real estate, bonds, stocks, but we forgot about ourselves. And I think that that's great that you focus, focus on yourself. Now, um, with, with your, your journey and your money story, you've alluded to a bit about your cultural uh, background, being from Taiwan and having this label or not, not label. You use the word label. So I'll use label or our or, um, expectation that I, I hold yes. this up. Um, when we talk about money scripts, so everyone, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier. It's like what we learned as kids, what we uh, society taught us and our, also our cultural narratives. What, when you started on this journey, what do you think your, your money script, unconscious money script that you would have adopted as a kid? What do you think that looked like when you started this journey? And then where do you think it is now? Ooh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, other than, you know, the whole go to school, get good grades yeah. thing, it's really just make money, save money, buy your house, pay down your mortgage as quickly as you possibly can. And I mean, I'm not knocking that concept. Yep. I'm just saying that from that, I also learned that there's two sides of that coin because most people don't understand debt. Mm-hmm. There's the difference between good debt versus bad debt. 
And so I think it just, oh, that's a big question, man. <laughs> well, let's narrow it down. What would be one money motto or lesson that you walked out of your house from your parents or your grandparents or whomever that just kind of encapsulated that whole perspective or sorry, expectation? Oh, that just work hard. Don't have huge desires. Don't want anything. Just be content and uh, save money away for rainy days and for retirement. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you give a hardworking young guy that, that motto and you just, you it takes go the life out of you. It yeah. sucks the life out of you. Mm-hmm. And times are very different now, right? Most of us, I mean, I'm in my late thirties. Um, our parents are in their sixties, some in their seventies sometimes, and they came from the end of the industrial age. And it's very different. We live in mm-hmm. industrial age. Uh, we live in the information age now where we are exposed to a lot more information, different lifestyles, different options, a lot faster and quicker now. And so again, it's human nature. We get tempted. We want to do things. And, you know, we have that idea where we can justify getting what we want because we work so hard for it once Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Um, So again, I I bet you people are just wondering, wait, okay, 30 years old, retired yourself. How did this happen? So let's, for the people who are interested in, in knowing what you did, like we, we understand real estate, but maybe provide some specifics and then, you can kind of, you can lead us into what trust your talent is about right now, because I think I, I believe it, trust your talent was an impetus of retiring yourself at 30. And like you said, you're sit, sitting there. Oh yeah. I want to touch on this too. You're sitting there 30 years old, retiring yourself, but yet you're depressed, not fulfilled, not yeah. fulfilled. And as a planner, a financial planner, I see this, but at the age 60 and 65, people still feel that they had this identity of, you know, Jim the plumber for 30 years and then they retire and they're Jim the Sudoku king or whatever they're doing, trying to fill that void and loss identity. A big thing right now is FIRE, the Financially Independent Retire Early Community. I like the notion it challenges the rat race. I really, really enjoy it. However, I'm a big proponent of adding in what, what do you do? What do you, what are you running from and where are you running to? So, um, you know, we talk, you talked a bit about traveling. If I want to go traveling, I need to know my destination. I also got to know where I'm going. But if I don't know my destination, I'm just flying in the air. And I don't think that would be a fun vacation. Unless it was on Warren Buffett's airplane. That might be fun. But, <laughs> um, I, I find that, that a lot of people now are challenging the rat race, which is great. But then we don't know where we're running to. So um, mm. I'm kind of pivoting this question into... For people who are trying to get out of the rat race, uh, trying to change the narrative, which is great, what would you say about running towards something like I'm going to retire at 30 or 35, hard-nosed number? Like, what would you caution them from not just creating their own their own version of a rat race versus finding what gives you joy and things like that? Yeah, you know, I, uh, again, love that question. Big question. Not gonna lie, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to start. You ask a lot of big, amazing questions. (laughs) Um, I'm going to start by reminding everybody what we just talked about is that money is a tool and that tool gives you 
options. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I'm a huge proponent because when I started getting educated about real estate or about money or about investing, it was, it was very much financial freedom, financial freedom, financial freedom, or nothing else. Mm -hmm. And to me though, a decade plus into this journey, my idea and having worked with a lot of different people in a lot of different countries now is it's about ultimately financial control and financial security more importantly, because you know what? I've met so many people, honestly, though, looking back, I actually enjoy what I did because I got to help people and support people, help my reps and teams make more money and live a better life financially, at least because they all had to provide for their family more, more often than not. However, or what I've really noticed is just that, that concept of safety. Am I mm -hmm. going to be okay? Mm -hmm. So going back to when you were saying money problems versus money worries, everybody's got money worries, mm -hmm. even if they're comfortable, they mm -hmm. all worry. I'm going to be okay. And so for me, the destination, you know, you want to call it financial independence, financial freedom, financial security, financial confidence, whatever the phrase is, it's ultimately about, in my opinion, multiple income sources. Too many of us just don't understand how to create multiple income sources. However, people that do get it, more often than not, they also trap in the, the concept of trading hours for dollars. So instead of one job now, one income source, they get two jobs or even three jobs. And mm. guess what? Are you balanced? Are, is mm -hmm. that sustainable once again? Are you happy doing that? Do you feel fulfilled? Do you have passion projects and hobbies that you want to pursue more? But no, because now you've got three jobs. So you're working 20 hours a week, uh, a day for five days in a row. And then you might have two days on the weekends where you feel like a zombie. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the tool comes in or the vehicle that I like to call real estate comes in. And that's really ultimately what right now Trust Your Talent is built on. But Trust Your Talent really is built, funny enough, based on the five core values because I wanted it to be a direct reflection of what we're putting out there. And so we talk about the fact that we're, we're launching the different coaching and training programs in phases. For, for phase one is financial wellness. That's what we call it. We don't call it investing training or real estate, whatever. People can call it that if they want to. We call it financial wellness training because we... There's a lot of business fundamentals, you know, in terms of asset protections, how to do a business plan, how to set goals properly, how to do business budgeting, all the way to how, could how to conduct real estate strategies like wholesale, like lease options, like distressed properties, flips and burrs, like people like to talk about, you know, commercial properties, multifamily properties. We teach all that as well. But the most important thing, though, is that that falls under financial wellness. We want you to take care of that. And then the next phase we're doing is physical wellness because I, I mean a lot of people have making comments um, about my push-up challenges these days and they're like I didn't know that you're in such good shape and I want to thank you for saying that some of you because <laughs> I literally spent the last 20 years working on my health now I mean more so the last 10 years to be really honest I'm not gonna lie because <laughs> when I was 20 that was when I had my heart surgery I wasn't allowed to exercise for years and I was put on a very strict, clean diet and I was a delicate flower. That's what I turned into. <laughs> and a lot of my friends call me that <laughs> and they joke about it and no offense. I mean, I don't take offense of it because that was the truth. However, you know, as a guy in your 20, early 20s, what is everybody else doing? You know, they're getting into the best shape of their life and they're going out there, they're dating, they're having fun, they're partying. I couldn't do any of those things. And so it's one of those things that I realized I want to have sustainable health and I've worked really hard for it over the last decade now to get to where I am today. So the next 
phase is physical wellness. And then we go into mental wellness, emotional wellness, and spiritual wellness. A lot of that has to, has to do with personal development programs and trainings on that. But right now, we're focusing on financial wellness. As you and I both know, money problems is one of the major reasons for divorces, the main contributing factors. Or even if you're not in a couplehood, it's one of the major contributing reasons for it most stresses for most people. And so we want to really share with everybody out there that through learning about how money works, you'll start to see the light that you don't always have to be working for money. As long as you learn to be doing things a little bit more effective and more efficient and learn a different vehicle because none of us ever went to school ever being educated about how money works. No, no. Um, Unfortunately, that is true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really appreciate your answer there. And uh, I kind of started that your, your comment about trading hours for dollars. And I think that's just a sums up a lot of this conversation is that we can trade a lot of our hours for dollars. We can make, um, if we're fortunate enough, we can be in a situation to make good incomes. We're trading our hours. We can get multiple um, um, jobs to get more money. For again, I, I'm certainly blessed to be in a position where I, I can question that. I'm not in a survival situation. Um, but I think it's so important that when we're above our basic needs that we do question, are we trading or, or are we intentionally trading those hours for dollars? And with Trust Your Talent, I mean, I think what you're doing is phenomenal in sense of, so you used real estate to retire yourself at 30 years old. Real estate was the end goal. Financial freedom was the end goal. And now you're taking this learning and I, I would argue making it more health, sustainable, impact, joy, uh, all, all in those for the people that you bring on board for your coaches, whom now the coaches coach other people. So I see you paint it forward in terms of, hey, uh, you know, real estate was really good to me um, It enabled me to have this life I have now, but I'm going to do some alterations and not use real estate as like, like, oh, you need this many buildings to be happy. More so, you've actually integrated these things into your business. So really, really, really good for you to be doing that. And I know um, I've come across a few of your coaches and they're just, yeah, everyone walks around with a kind of a, a pep in their step. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at the time here and yeah. uh, I want to be mindful of our time. Yeah. You have a few minutes to go over? Of course. Okay. Yes. Um, Yes. So I, I, we really didn't get into there, but uh, I got one last question for you here, but real estate was your tool. And what I really liked about your whole journey is that you've became, you, you've, you addressed those money worries, so to speak, internally, that now has given you the clarity to create trust your talent. But yeah, you needed a, uh, um, a form to generate that money and you picked real estate and real estate has worked well for you. And now you're teaching other people to do that. But the most important part I feel and why I enjoy your story is the money is just a number. There's all this background that goes along from heart attacks to depression to having a, a certain cultural expectation on you. To, but when you become clear on those values, hey, look what you can do. So, so Tim, I really, really appreciate that. But here's my question for you. Yes. Um, fast forward 20 years from now. 30 years, um, you're looking back at your life 
and you're 90, 95 years old, sitting somewhere that gives you peace, could be outside, could be at a cabin, could be in the woods, could be in downtown Vancouver, back in Vancouver, it could be in Edmonton. Uh, if you had to write a letter to future descendants who you don't know because they're not born yet, about based on your life, how do you create a flourishing or a thriving relationship with money and enjoy life? What would you say to them? I think I would encourage them to, when they're young, don't work for money. Have enough to live on and work to gain experience, work to learn. And when I say work, it's not like, you know, I'm going to go get a summer job at McDonald's. God knows if McDonald's still <laughs> is hiring people, right? If it yeah. hasn't already been 100% computerized. Um, just gain experience because I think we, we as human beings, we get into the mode of human doings and we forget to be. Mm. But as we do and we get to take the time to reflect and learn from what we're doing, that's where the lessons start to happen. And so that way you can start to focus. And, and, you know, this is, this is, I don't think this is all that new to be really honest, like all the successful entrepreneurs, the big names that everybody know about, right. The Elon Musk, the Steve Jobs before and the Jeff Bezos and people like them, they're all saying the same thing as well is that, if you spend the time to really learn about what gets you out of bed, and I always say, are you waking up to an alarm clock or are you waking up to an opportunity clock? And that's Zig Ziglar too, is the fact that you want to shift yourself because nobody else is going to do that for you. You need to do enough so that you shift yourself from finding what lights a fire under your assets to get you up in the morning. And so that you can go out there and make the one thing that you love doing pay you to mm. mm -hmm. so nice i really appreciate that yeah. um just just wrapping up here so I, I can't remember who told me this but i heard someone say one time that um i'm just drawing some memory banks here is <laughs> uh, yeah training versus education so training would be I teach you how to do a skill. Like I'll train you to be a lifeguard or let's use real estate. I'll train. Yeah. This conversation could have been, I'm going to train you how to do a, a lease option, which you would have to train me because I don't know. But <laughs> I remember you talked about that, but it, I would need a refresher, but that was training versus education is where often where we use stories or we talk about how the, the journeys we've gone through. And the person telling me this said that like usually that education part lands a lot deeper with people because in their vision is uh, people have the ability to change themselves. They need that first internal uh, spark and then go get mentors or people who can show us how to train, but train for fulfillment and happiness. This, this is a hard thing. So I, I want to thank you for uh, going on a journey, I guess, about this education versus training people how to do lease options. Now, if people are interested in learning how what you did with real estate or how you used real estate to, to create the, the financial means necessary, maybe speak to trust your talent, what you guys do. And if people want to find more information about Tim, um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So a uh, couple of platforms that people can actually find us. Uh, the first one is I do have a right now, Facebook page where 
just in the process of pushing things over to YouTube as well, creating that channel. Because every single day I do something called my daily dose with Tim. And in the beginning, I actually wanted to call it my uh, everyday heroes because I want to do something very similar to what you're doing, but you're doing it now. So I don't have to. <laughs> uh, no, there's a lot of room. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just really want to celebrate and really learn about people's triumphs and tribulations and how we can all take lessons from everybody. That's why I want to do everyday heroes. It's not about finding celebrities or somebody that's already really well known. I want the everyday people to come together and be like, let's carry each other forward as human race, as all mankind. However, for me, I do my daily dose with Tim every single day. It focuses a lot more on the financial wellness side of things right now. And it's hosted currently on Facebook. And it's very simple, facebook.com forward slash the Tim Tai. And they can find me there. Or if on if it's Trust Your Talent, trustyourtalent.ca. As it sounds, very, very straightforward. The thing about it, though, is that in Trust Your Talent, we actually have this, what we call the success formula. Because right now, as we said, we live in the information age. Information is free. You can go onto YouTube and learn how to do wholesale deals in real estate, do stock trading, learn how to buy a commercial property, learn multifamily. However, again, if information is enough, how come we're not seeing you know, billionaires and millionaires pulling up to libraries every single day? Because it's not just about information and everything's available on our phone now. And then, so our success formula goes into if information is distilled and translated properly, it becomes education that we can teach people however education itself is also not enough because it's just theoretical we can intellectually comprehend it and this is where we combine it with education so education is that that sorry knowledge sorry knowledge portion takes that education piece and we add in our personal experiences collectively combined not just the trusted talent team but all the people that as far as we know have been doing this for decades it's come together what to do and what not to do because it's like building new habits same idea sometimes you can be building a hundred brand new habits that are good for you but if you just have that one bad one that's pulling everything down you might not you might still not be succeeding and so we have information we have education we mix in with knowledge however knowledge is not power anymore applied knowledge is where it's at and so the funny thing about being in the information age, even more so now, is that people get stuck at the information or the education stage, whereas this is where the coaching and the training mm -hmm. and the mentoring really comes in. It's somebody that's going to be there to push you forward, push you outside of your comfort zone just a little bit more every single day, nudging you to take action. So once you take action, you apply, you see the results, and then you repeat that, uh, we repeat that cycle again. And so that's really what we want to create. And that's how, you know, the curriculum is actually set up. It's not a, hey, go to a class for the weekend and you're going to mm -hmm. learn how to do this. No, it, we do one year, two year program. We actually think about how we can actually get ourselves to become accredited training institution because this is important. This is financial education and we want to legitimize this. And the other thing is, when we came together and put Trust Your Talent together, we, came, we have a mission statement for financial wellness, which is creating financial independence one person at a time, because that's truly what it is about. And 
I've had students that when, once they became financially free, by definition means that they have enough passive income every single month coming in to cover all their basic expenses. So theoretically speaking, they don't have to show up to go to their work anymore. They, can, they have time back now. However, when that happens, I have tons of students that all of a sudden don't hate their jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. They love it because the pressure is not there anymore. And that's the funny part because most people, their jobs today is the expertise and the field that they invested so much of their time and effort and money for in their university days, in their college days. They've spent years honing the craft, doing what they actually do want to do. Mm -hmm. So to them, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I've just doubled my income. That's mm -hmm. a different way of looking at mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And so it's really funny. And so that is what we want to do, you know, when it comes to the financial wellness side of things. It's our mission to create financial independence one person at a time. However, as a whole for Trust Your Talent, our vision statement, and I always say, I really, really want to build this. And I hope that this will outlast every single one of us not to be morbid or anything this is a movement and our vision statement is to elevate human potential by living a strategically positive life because it's so by living a strategically positive life because everything comes down to our choices our current reality is the collective reflection of every single decision and choice that we've made leading up to this point and so by living a strategic positive life, it implies the fact that, you know what, we can go negative with our financials. We can go negative about a, a fight we have with our spouse. We can go negative with the relationship we have with our jobs, with our boss, with our health. However, we can choose to be strategic about it. And more importantly, strategically positive, meaning we want to encourage people to go out there and find answers for themselves. How can I do something different, better, and more so that I actually get to be happy and fulfilled every single day? Mm -hmm. So that's a long answer. <laughs> no, that's great. No, I, I appreciate you giving that insight. And you could tell in your tone, in the words, in everything that you you care about this. And uh, in my head, it popped in a, maybe the title of this episode, I don't know, but how to take your time back, I think is a lot of what, what you just said there is that's what you guys are training in a healthy way. That's what you're training. And I, I just appreciate it. That goes, sure. You need to know the, the, the mechanics of real estate investing, but you guys are, you guys are taking this way beyond that. And I think it's phenomenal. So um, yeah, that's. Thank you. Well, same with you. That's why I honestly feel like I can sense that in you mm -hmm. based on just how we, how you interact with all of, all of your guests and how you phrase your questions. Cause you really want that essence to come out. <laughs> Cause it ain't about money. Yeah. Right? I, love, I love how you named it. The most hated F word. It ain't about finances, financials. It ain't about the money. It's about life. We're all human beings. Let's yeah. live. Well, thanks for sharing uh, your journey because that's that's the goal is let's let's live this in a different capacity, one where we challenge that standard narrative. And uh, I think I blinked and an hour and 15 minutes went by. So <laughs> I, I apologize that I ate up 15 minutes of your All time. All good. All good. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tim. I really enjoy you taking the time to be on the show and have a good conversation today. Thank you. You too. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tim. Tim has an incredible story. His journey is inspiring. 
as he's went through ups and downs. But one thing that Tim does is he has a positive outlook. He learns from his mistakes. He doesn't ignore them, but he does learn from them and questions how that can serve him in life. So here are my three key takeaways from my conversation with Tim. Number one is to really feel what's going on in our life. As Tim said, he was making six figures, but he was feeling depressed and depression almost took his life. So despite that, we it might seem like we have everything, the six-figure job, house, car, Tim took stock of how he was actually feeling and took the time, as he's mentioned, to become healthy and to realize what he needs to do to have a sustainable and healthy life. Number two, Tim talked a lot about uh, his family and cultural pressures, pressures around money and how that he observed them, distanced himself from them, and then analyzed if they're st- still serving him well. And I think that's a good lesson that we all can take is we all have our own external pressures around money or how we think we should handle money. An important thing that Tim talked about is distancing yourself from that and asking, do these pressures serve me in the story that I'm creating for my money story? Number three is why time is one of our biggest sources of freedom. This conversation really left me thinking, what am I chasing? Is it money? Is it real estate? Is it assets? Or is it time? Because at the end of the day, we're all talking about how much time we want. Only if I had so much time. So this was a good reframe for me to always concentrate on what kind of time do I have? What kind of time do I want? And how am I allocating my life, my commitments to give me the maximum amount of time? Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you're enjoying these episodes. Please head over to iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. It really helps with getting new guests so that you can keep hearing the conversations that we're having around our minds, our money, and what matters most. Thanks so much. <laughs>